the message a little bit, and then I realized I was singing some wrong words and stuff. I, I've often thought about the, the song leaders standing here leading the songs, and I'm right here in their, in their left ear singing the wrong words and uh, what it does to them. And every once in a while I've seen some of them kind of grin a little bit. Uh, I may be on a completely different song. I don't know sometimes. But uh, I'm sure that that gets confusing at times. Uh, or maybe my, my singing is so offbeat it bothers them all the time. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I sing for the Lord. Amen. It may not be pretty, but it's, it's from the heart, and that's what's most important. Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. We began a series last week in the book of Jonah. We've titled the series On the Run. On the Run. And the reason for that is that we call it that is because Jonah was on the run. He was on the run from God. And uh, a lot of people today are on the run from God. On the run, they may be in church, but they're on the run from God. And uh, we're dealing with some situations here and some things and, and uh, not moving real fast. We, we preached out the first three verses uh, uh, last week. We're going to preach out the next three this week. We're not going very far, very fast, but uh, there's a lot in this that I believe that we can get as God's uh, speaking to us. So if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Jonah chapter 1. You say, uh, preacher, where is, where is Jonah? Well, it's right after Obadiah. You say, well, where's, Job, or where's Obadiah? Well, it's right after Amos. You say, well, where's Amos? It's right after Joel. You say, well, where's Joel? Just stand there and look smart, okay? <laughs> Open anywhere, it's all good, praise the Lord. Do what I have done. You, there's a, there is an index in the front. Just flip it op, open and, and find the page number and go to it. And uh, you say, have you had to do it? You'd be surprised as a preacher preaching for, throughout the scripture for this many years, and sometimes it's like brain fog. Where is that book at? And I've been standing there sometimes trying to think, where's it at? And Janine said, it's over here. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, that happens to all of us. Amen. Jonah chapter 1, we're going to read the, the, all, all six verses here, but uh, Jonah chapter 1, we'll begin reading verse 1, says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarsus, and notice what it says here, from the presence of the Lord. He wasn't running from the Ninevites, he was running from God. Run from the presence of the Lord there. And uh, so it goes on here. He says, from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid the fare thereof. You'll always pay your own way when you don't do what God tells you to do. And he went down into it. And it's always downward when you're going away from the Lord. To go with them unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. But verse 4 says, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. When the mariners were, uh, then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. Notice that's a little g there. And cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God, notice it's a capital G, will think upon us that we perish not. 
That's where we're going to get our text to start with. We'll look at all three of those latter verses there. So it says, So the master, the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, What meanest thou, O sleeper? What meanest thou, O sleeper? And let's pray. Father, we come to you and we ask that you would meet with us tonight. We need your presence. We need your power. Lord, I know that I need the power of the Holy Spirit on my life as I preach. I know that I am not able and capable in my flesh to do that which needs to be said and done. So therefore, I ask for the power of God and the presence of God in the services. Speak to hearts. Challenge lives. Give help to each of us tonight. For this we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. And get rid of this coat right now. See, why don't you do that on Sunday morning? Because I'm trying to be really nice and look nice. But it don't work even with the coat on. Amen. So what we find here, we've got Jonah on the run from the will and the plan of God. And, and he was going to go to Nineveh. He was going to go to that great wicked city of Nineveh. They, that, that was the capital, I told you last week, that was the capital of the Assyrians. The Assyrians were a very wicked people. And when they would go in into a place, they was wicked in how that they destroyed the people and all the torture. I'm not going to go into it. I told a little bit of what they did last week. But they were very wicked people. And we don't know why necessarily that uh, Jonah immediately turned and went the other way. He was supposed to go west. He went east. And so he turned away from them and and went the wrong direction. He, he went away from him. He went away. He was running from the, the will of God, the plan of God. And he was getting, trying to get away from the presence of God. So he ran in the opposite direction with the intent of getting away from God's command. Could I say that many Christians are exactly the same way, going the opposite direction, trying to get away from the plan and the will of God for your life. Thinking that if you go far enough that God won't bother you. Thinking if you go far enough that you can get out of, out of his way and he will kind of ignore you. But that is not the, not the case. We find the word of the Lord had come to him to arise and from his place of comfort. And he did arise. But he went the wrong direction. We find that the word of the Lord came to him to go to a specific people. Well, he went, but it wasn't to the people that God called him to go to. We find that the uh, word of the Lord had come to him for to cry against the sin and wickedness of Nineveh, but he at that time did not. We see the response that he had uh, uh, of the Lord in, in one word, but, but. If you notice there in verse 3, it says, but Jonah rose up to flee. He had the commands of God coming to him, but he, he used that little conjunction that conjunction which is the word but and he took off took off going the other direction but what I'd like you to see here the Lord can use that conjunction also look here with me in verse 3 and 4 but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord drop down to verse 4 but the Lord but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was likened to be broken. 
as they say in that game of chess, and I've played some chess, not a lot. I've not been a very, <laughs> I'm definitely not that good at it. I have played some. Don't know all the rules. But most of us have heard, uh, been around enough checkers, or chess actually, not checkers, but chess, that when the, when, when the king is put into a position where they might be captured, they call it captured, we always called it killed, but they, when they, to be captured, the first thing that they have to say is check. Many people try to move into what they call checkmate, but in many of the rules of of chess, you have to put them in check first before you can move into checkmate. Checkmate means it's over. Check means that you're in a bad position and it's about to be over if you don't do something. We find that Jonah, it says, but Jonah. You move down to verse 4, it says, but the Lord. And you know what? As I, as I put that down there, the first thing that popped in my mind was check. The Lord put Jonah in check. That didn't mean that everything had to, that it was over. Jonah could have repented and could have changed things immediately and it never would have went to checkmate. As we'll find out as we preach on through, that it actually went to checkmate. And, but it was, he was definitely in check. A place that I'm going to be honest with you. Every single person in this room, God has at times put you in check. And my friend, if you don't turn unto Him and yield, you'll go into checkmate. Because He is a greater player of the game of life than what you have ever expected Him to be. And He knows your heart and He knows where you're at. And so they put Him, put him in check, about to soon move to checkmate. So Jonah, he basically had justified his actions, and yet he knew that it wasn't right. The Bible tells us in Luke 16, 15, he says, And he said unto them, ye are, ye are they which justify yourselves before men. Many times in the situations of our lives when we're running from God and not, trying to do, not doing what God has told us to do, not doing what we know the Bible says is right, Knowing that, that, that God is against what we're doing, where we're going with our life, what we're doing with our life, what we're, how we're living our life. So many times we begin to try to justify it. Well, preacher, I, you just don't know I've had this terrible life and I've, I've went through this and I've went through that and, and I've struggled with this and I've struggled with that. Can I tell you something? You can tell me that all you want, but you need to tell the Lord. Because justifying yourself with me does no good before the Lord. And we so many times we try to justify why we don't obey God. We try to justify why we don't obey the Word of God. We try to justify when things don't go our way and we're trying to go from the presence of the Lord and try to do our own thing. We begin to try to justify it. But the rest of that verse there in Luke 16 says this, but God knoweth your hearts. God knows your heart. So therefore, trying to justify yourself does no good before God. You might fool me. You might get my sympathy. But God knows your heart. 
God knows. God knew where Jonah was. God knew what was going on in Jonah's heart and mind. For oftentimes, as I said, we try to justify those actions and our failure to obey the word of the Lord. So the Lord many times counters our objection and justifications in our own way. And he begins to get our attention. He counters that just like he did Jonah here. Jonah was running from the presence of the Lord. It says, but Jonah. And then we read in verse 4, but the Lord. So the Lord is countering his justification. He's countering his uh, objection to going to the Ninevites to tell them about the, the hand of the Lord that is going to be upon them to destroy them if they don't re uh, repent and turn to the Lord. I want you to notice something here. As I was studying, said, something came to me. Jonah was unmoved by three storms. Jonah was unmoved by three storms in this passage. I want you to look at this and get, and get the picture that I got here. First of all, it was a storm in a wicked city of Nineveh where the Lord had already declared destruction if they didn't repent. There was going to be a terrible storm. You say a storm? Well, however the Lord was going to destroy them, that would be a terrible storm. So there was a storm coming to Nineveh, whether it was to be destroyed by God through, through fire from heaven or whether it was going to be destroyed by another nation. It was going to be a terrible storm. And the Lord had called Jonah to go warn them. And Jonah was unmoved to go to them during that storm. Verse 2 says, he said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. He said, I'm getting ready to send a great storm. He said, I'm getting ready to destroy them if they don't repent. I'm getting ready to end Nineveh as it is if they don't turn to me. So I want you, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to cry out against it. I want you to tell them of their wickedness. I want you to tell them of their vileness. I want you to tell them that they need to turn to me and get their hearts right. Because I'm about to send a storm. Jonah was unmoved. Didn't bother him. Jonah did bother Jonah that God was going to destroy Nineveh. Didn't bother him. He was unmoved that, that this was a, it says it was a great city talking about the size of it. And it talked about, said great wickedness. He wasn't concerned about their repentance. He was unmoved. He wasn't concerned about how many people were there. He wasn't concerned about the little babies that were innocent that had never done anything wrong. He wasn't concerned about the elderly that, that maybe didn't have anything to do with any of the wickedness and, or, or anybody else in there. Or the young men and the young ladies that had never been involved in the ransacking and destruction of other people. He, wasn't, he was unmoved. He didn't care. He didn't care that God was going to destroy him. He was unmoved by that storm. You know what is sad? I looked at that and I thought, boy, he, he just really didn't care. If he was to get a whole picture of clarity of the message that Jonah was to deliver, in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 4 says, And Jonah be, began to enter the city a great uh, a day's journey and cried and, and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was the message that he was supposed to take. We find that we'll, we'll be dealing with that later on down the line. But 
That was the message to give you a clarity of what he was supposed to do. Yet Jonah was unmoved by the destruction that was to, to storm down upon Nineveh, the whole, uh, a whole great city. But here's the thing for you and me. Today we see the same in so many caring not for the souls of man around the world. Let me say that again. Here's the big picture. Nineveh is like the world. Or the world is like Nineveh in wickedness, vileness. And yet God has sent you and me to go tell them about Jesus Christ and how to be saved. But dare I say that many times we as Christians don't care about the storm. We're unmoved. We're unmoved. We're unmoved. To think that some little kids like this right here, out, out there in, in, in the world, are never going to hear the gospel. And we're unmoved. And there's a storm coming. You can go to Revelations and read about it. A storm unlike any other storm that's going to rain down destruction upon this world. And we're unmoved by the storm. And God has called us to go and take the gospel wherever it's in the world, all around us in the world, all across, the, you know, everywhere that, that we can possibly get the gospel to them. We've lost our tears. We've lost our burden for the lost. We've become hardened to the storm that is destroying lives for eternity. You know, we, we get all upset, and I'm not saying it's wrong. We get all upset about political stuff. And we're ready to go fight about political stuff. But what about souls that's going to die and go to hell? I'm, you've heard me. I blast them on that political stuff. And if I'm not careful, I get so more stirred about that storm than the real storm. The big storm. We've lost our tears. Our hearts have become hard. The psalmist said in Psalms 126, verse 5 and 6, says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We need to again pray, O Lord, break our hearts and give us a burden for souls and, and cause our, our eyes to pour down the tears uh, uh, of caring for lost souls again. Where altars are filled by Christians begging God to save lost souls and, and, and caring for those souls because they're going to die without Jesus Christ and drop off into a lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, never to get out of that lake of fire. Little kids like this, young men like this, young families like sitting in here, Older adults like sitting across the, the auditorium. 
And the sad part is many today as Christians are unmoved by the storm. I want you to notice the second storm that I've seen here. The second storm was a storm on the sea where he was affecting, Jonah himself was affecting the shipmen on that ship. Look at verse 4 and 5 says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. This is a smaller area now. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was likened to be broken. Then the mariners uh, were afraid and cried every man unto his God. But you know what? Jonah was unmoved by that storm also that was affecting those that was near and that was around him personally. We've moved from the big storm over here in that great city of Nineveh. Now we're on a ship out in the sea and a storm has come in and the ship is tossing and it's about to break up. I don't know, we don't know how many men were on that ship, but it's a lot fewer than what was in Nineveh. But now it's just like, just like this. If this was the ship, here's the, here's the seamen right here that, that are, are, are piloting the ship and, and taking care of the sails and everything. And, and I'm Jonah, and, and, and I've already talked to all of you, and you've seen me get on the ship, and I'm down in the bottom of that ship, and I'm asleep, and here the storm is hitting. I have put you in jeopardy of, of dying out there in a storm on the ship that I created with my life. And where am I? I'm down there sleeping. The big storm's hitting Nineveh, going to hit Nineveh. The big storm now is engulfing those who are the very closest to me. Can I bring you from the world picture down to those who are around you on a daily basis? Family, friends, co-workers, people across the street people that go to church with you. And our lives are affecting them. But here's the sad part. Many times we're unmoved by the storm. They're going to die. They're going to go to hell. They're going to drop off into eternity. And I'm unmoved by the storm. Those around me, the cashier that you see at the store day in, day out, the neighbor that you see come out and water her flowers or he, or he comes out and, and walks the dog and you wave and we're unmoved to go. You, and many times we don't know whether they're saved or whether they're not. We hope that they are and we think that they are, but we're unmoved to go to them. And the storm is coming. My friend, the Bible says, in a day and an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. He's coming. Death is on every hand around us anyway. The storm hits. Young and old alike die in that storm in life. It's called life. It's called life and death. And people are dying in this storm around us. And so sad many times we're unmoved by the very fact that they're dying. 
What's even sadder is, is that Jonah was the one that caused the storm to even hit the ship where these men were on. But he still wasn't moved. You see, our lives affect many people around us. The scripture tells us in Romans 14, 7, For none of, of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. We have an effect on people around us, good or bad. People are watching all the time. People are watching all the time. That's why so many times that it's so important that that we try to help those who get saved uh, to keep them away from the old lifestyles and the old friends that would drag them back out into the booze or the alcohol or the, the, the drugs or the immoral life and different things like that. Because if we just see them get saved, uh, and the storm catches them up again and takes them out. And yes, they're going to heaven, but destroys their life. None of us live to himself, no man dies to himself. We've got to stop and realize the effect of our lives and our actions have on the lives of others. Our choices, the choices that we make are affecting people daily. The choices that we make will affect some people's lives for eternity. The choices that we make can bring terrible storms into the lives of others. But so sadly, we're unmoved. See, preacher, how do you know we're unmoved? Our hearts will be broken and stirred for the lost around us, pleading God to save the lost, to restore the fallen. There would be a brokenness in our heart like we've never seen in a long time. You see, we're to be that light and we're to be that example we're to be a witness for the Lord, not one that sends those around us into the storm because of our lives being disobedient to the Lord. Then there's a third storm. The third storm was the storm that was in his own life, which Jonah was also unmoved about. Jonah was having a storm in his own spiritual life. But it didn't bother him. He was unmoved. He wasn't seeking the Lord. He wasn't trying to do what God, the storm had come into his life. He was tore up. He was in, in many respects, he, the, the storm had slashed him back and forth. Verse 3 again there in Jonah chapter 1 says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. You go to the latter part of that verse, it says, To go with them unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. The storm was raging within his own spiritual life, trying to get away from God, trying to get away from the Word of God, trying to get away from the plan of God, trying to get away from the will of God, trying to just get away. The storm was raging in his own life. Verse 5 says, But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay fast asleep. 
oh, I know God wants to do that, and I've always, I know, you know, those people are going to die, but you know, and everything, and yeah, so what? I know, I know I'm disobeying God. I, I know that God's called me to do that, and I know that I'm probably going to face some problems and difficulties. I think I'll take me a nap. He went down in the sides of the ship and went to sleep. You know, a person who is bothered by the circumstances in the lives of others around them, their heart is generally moved enough and their mind is moved enough, they can't get it off their heart and mind. Especially if their life, their own life is going the wrong direction, they have trouble sleeping. Because you're laying there by yourself and things are running through your mind and through your heart. You know it's not right and you know something ought to be different. And you have a difficult, very hard time sleeping. Jonah was unmoved by the storm that was in his own spiritual life. Can I tell you something? That is a dangerous place to be. When the storm in your own spiritual life does not move you. But here's the dangerous thing is today our churches are full of Christians. That there is things spiritually in their lives that need to be taken care of and God is dealing. There's a storm in their life and things are going on in their life and everything. And they're unmoved. And they're fast asleep. Generally, one leads to all the others. When we lose our burden for the world, it won't be long we'll lose the burden for those around us. And when you lose the burden for those around you, it won't be long until you lose the burden for living and walking in the presence of God. And you'll be unmoved. And your heart will get hard enough that you're able to sleep through the storm. All three of them. Today our churches are being tossed like that ship all across this nation. The storm is hitting hard. And we're fast asleep down deck, below deck. There needs to be an awakening. There needs to be that stirring again. So many today are in the storm in their spiritual life. You know what? They're seeking shelter from the storm in the bottom of the ship as they seek to run from the storm. Can I tell you something? And I preached a message years ago. And somebody wrote a book, and they used this title. But I, I, it, I preached the message before they wrote the book, but I may have heard it from somebody else. But you can run, but you can't hide. Can I tell you tonight, just like Jonah, you can run, but you can't hide from God. And you can't hide from God's storm. 
And he can bring a big enough storm to move any shelter that you're in, in your heart and life. We need to come clean and we need to get honest with ourselves and with God if we want the storm to cease in our own lives. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Three storms. The storm was meant for Jonah. It really wasn't meant for those men on the sea. It was meant for Jonah. And verse 4 says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. You see, the purpose of the storm was to work in the heart of Jonah, to draw him back and nearer to the Lord that he might obey and even uh, in the hard things of his life. Not just this situation that he was facing now, but the situations that he would face later on in his life. So God sent out the storm. It was meant for Jonah. Can I tell you something? Sometimes we, we, we try to spiritualize all the storms. Can I tell you something? Sometimes God just sends out the storm just for you. But sometimes in that storm, everybody else around us gets caught up in it. The storm was meant for Jonah, but the storm was hitting a lot of people. So in our lives, the storm that comes may not, all, may not all be sent by the Lord. I realize that. But I realize that the Lord uses them to draw us near to Him and to do the work in our lives for His glory. Not every storm was sent, is going to be sent by God. Some of those storms are sent by Satan. But we have a Heavenly Father that is wiser than all, and He takes that storm even and uses it for His glory in our lives. It may not even be because of sin in your life. It may not be because that you're asleep and down into the hold of the ship. It may be that you're serving God and the devil's attacking. So God takes us, hey, you know what? I'm going to show this devil. I'm going to make my, my, my servant a, a stronger Christian and a stronger witness because of this storm. And he uses it in your life to get you stronger, to help you stand in a greater way. Amen. So don't think that every storm is because you're doing wrong. But we ought to ask ourselves and we ought to be willing to acknowledge if there's things that need to be changed in our lives. Then I want you to think about this. Lightening up the ship won't stop the storm. Look in verse 5 with me. And the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. Notice that's a little g there. And cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. So many times in the storms we, that we're going through, we try to lighten the ship instead of dealing with the storm. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I, uh, man, I'm going through the storm. I, I, I know what I'll do. I, 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 I'll volunteer to, I'll volunteer to, to, to help in, 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 in children's church. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll do this for the, at church. I'll do that at church. And you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to lighten the ship. We may even get down and cry, oh, I know I've messed up. Oh, I know I messed up. And we cry and cry and cry. But we don't do nothing about the storm. We're just lightening the ship 
We might even look at different things in our lives and we might even blame somebody else for what we're going through. But all we're doing is lightening the ship and the storm doesn't go away. You see, that day when they threw everything overboard, it didn't stop the storm. And just by throwing everything overboard in your life, the little add-ons and things doesn't mean that the storm's going to stop. You have to face the storm. You have to deal with the storm and why the storm is there in your life. Some say, I'll just get more involved. They'll make promises and have good intentions. But the only way to stop it is to deal with it. I want you to notice the shipmaster here in verse 6. The shipmaster called Jonah to pray. Jonah was asleep. He wasn't praying. He's asleep. Dare I say that most churches today and most Christians today are asleep. They're not praying. Dead in the water. Sleepyheads. Look at verse 6. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? He said, What are you doing sleeping? We're going through all this and you're down here asleep? What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. Notice it's a capital G. He had already told them that he was running from the presence of of God, Jehovah God. He said, if so be that God, capital G again, will think upon us that we perish not. He said, arise, O sleeper. Pray unto thy God. Seek mercy. Would you allow me to liken the shipmaster to the person of the Holy Spirit of God that dwells in every born-again believer? Because the Holy Spirit of God comes and He deals with our lives that we should awaken, that we should come in before the Lord on our knees and we should seek God. Just like the shipmaster, he, he shook him awake and said, you need to get down on your knees and you need to pray and you need to, to seek the Lord and call upon the Lord in that storm that we're in. Hey, listen, we need the Holy Spirit is telling Christians today, you need to awaken, you need to wake up and you need to get on your knees before God and you need to be calling upon Him because, listen, the storms of our day, the lost, the wicked, uh, they, need, uh, they need to be saved and, we, and we've got to get down and we've got to call on the only one that can, the God of heaven, capital G. We need to call upon him. He says, wake up. Amen. We need revival. The ship's master is saying, wake up. Call. Call on the Lord. The storms around us that are affecting, our li affecting the lives of those near us, he says, wake up. Don't you see what your life is doing to those around you? Don't you see the poor testimony that it is? Don't you see how it's destroying the lost sinners? Don't you see how it's destroying other Christians? He says, wake up, wake up. 
and call on the Lord. Wake up. The Holy Spirit of God, if you're saved, can I tell you something? If you're not saved, the Holy Spirit of God's not going to work in your heart like that. But if you're saved, there's going to be an unction in you. There's going to be a probing in your heart. There's going to be a thumping in your heart where God says, listen, you need to get serious. This ship's going down. And you're taking everybody that's on this ship with you because of you. Wake up. You've got the answer. You've got the ability to tell others. Holy Spirit of God, the ship's master, speaks to you and me and says, listen, this isn't right in your life. You need to get this taken care of right now. And the only way you can get it taken care of is go before your heavenly father and ask for forgiveness and ask him to cleanse you from that and, and then get up and go because he said that he would forgive you. The Holy Spirit of God convicts and brings conviction, brings conviction. You say, well, preacher, there's probably some things in my life that's not right, but I really don't feel convicted about you. You know why? Because you're asleep. You're asleep if you're saved. So many times, the Spirit of God, the ship's master, is calling for you and me that this old world needs revival. The souls need to be saved. That we need to live before this world that they can see Jesus Christ. He's trying to awaken us. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 says, And that knowing the time, talking about the, the hour in which we live, the, the season, you might say, as far as how things are spiritually and the coming of the Lord being soon, that now it is high time, now listen to this, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Otherwise, he said, the Lord's getting ready to come back. He said, you need to wake up. There's a job to be done. There's souls to be saved. There's lives to be to reach. There's Christians to be brought back to the Lord. There's a revival that's needed in the nation. Hey, listen, it's time to awaken. Awaken and call upon the Lord that the Lord might do great and mighty things in the storm and, and by, by the storm in our lives and the lives of others around us. Jeremiah 29 Verse 12 says, then, then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all nations and from all the places where I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I cause you to be carried away captive. And he's speaking of Israel, but he's dealing with us also. In this situation, Jeremiah 33 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. Again, that call, the Holy Spirit of God says, Call out, awaken, and call on the Lord. Yeah. And I close with this. And really, this is the message. The real message here is for us is, What meanest thou? O sleeper, what meanest thou, O sleeper? And I think the Holy Spirit of God, which was the ship's master that said that, would look you and me in the eye, in our heart's eye, and say, 
Why are you not stirred? Why are you not praying? Even the heathen that were lost were up on deck praying unto their gods, little g. Isn't it amazing? We got the Muslims out here lost as a goose in a hailstorm. And they're praying. Serious. The Hindus, the Buddhists, and they're serious. We have the truth. We know the coming of the Lord is near. And the Holy Spirit says, what meanest thou? What, what, why aren't you praying about the storm in your life? Why aren't you praying about the storm that's, that's affecting those that are around you? Why aren't you seeking the Lord about the storm that's hitting the whole world with destruction? What meanest thou? And really what it does, it brings it down to every single one of us as individuals. What meanest thou about how you're living your life and how you're praying and how you're seeking God, how you're living for the Lord? What meanest thou? What meanest thou? What meanest thou? What meanest thou? And I hope that he wouldn't put on the last part that says, O sleeper. And I fear today that we have been lulled into sleeping. You see, a Satan can lull us into a, 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 a lullaby and put us to sleep spiritually. Souls will die and go to the devil's hell all around us. What meanest thou? When's the last time your heart was stirred about the storm? In your own life? Or maybe the, those that's nearest to you, around you, family, friends, neighbors, church members? What meanest thou that you do not have a burden for the lost world that's going to die? Little girls, little boys, young men, young ladies, families, without Christ. He said, and you don't care? What meanest thou? What meanest thou? We need to arise and pray and seek our God. Capital G. It's up to you and me and the, and, you know, the world is seeking their gods and they're lightening the ship. But it's up to you and me. Let us call on our God and deal with the storm that's before us. What meanest thou? Let's pray. And Father, we come to you, and Lord, oh, how you know that this worked on my heart today. And Lord, I had to ask myself, what meanest thou? Lord, every one of us would have to say there's a storm raging, definitely in the world. Most of us would say there's a storm raging right around us, those of people we know. Maybe there's not a storm at this point in our individual lives. There will be at times. 
Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be found as Jonah and called, O sleeper, by the Holy Spirit of God. But help us to awake with a new urgency to deal with the storm and those that are in the storm, their needs, and get the word of God to them. May we, Lord, deal with the storm in our own lives, Lord, and do that which is pleasing unto you, seeking your face for forgiveness of sin, for maybe sleeping, whatever it might be that's needed. We each know in the Holy Spirit, the ship's master, will reveal what's there. Have your will and wait in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed? Maybe you need to come tonight.